0: Welcome back to the Hibs Observer. Um, I'm Liam Bryce here, as always, with Patrick McPartland, who joined me for what's after a, a break from regular programming, and that it's not our usual morning briefing, but we've gone for the late afternoon slot um, this week. Um, but still, obviously, plenty to plenty to, to discuss um, in terms of all things Hibernian. If we can take a couple of steps. Back, though, um, and just maybe take a wee look back at the weekend there, um, Hibs prevailing 2-1 winners over Dundee at Dens Park. Um, it was the first time this season, that actually, that, that Hibs have sort of won two Premiership matches in a row, um, lifted them into the top six, um, and put everybody in a kind of, uh, in terms of Hibs fans, in a positive frame of mind, um, Ahead of you know Aberdeen coming to Easter Road at the weekend, but then after that it's um, life on the road for certainly a few weeks uh, thereafter. Um, some really kind of difficult and interesting games in there, so I think it was you know it was obviously important for Hibs Patrick to just kind of kick off this run with a positive result in performance.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know whenever you've got an international break that comes right after not just a victory, but a kind of hard-fought victory, a, an ugly win, if you like, like the the victory against Kilmarnock was. There's always a little bit of a kind of maybe maybe not fear, maybe that's a bit strong, but you know there is that little bit of doubt. Like, is the break going to do them good? Is it going to actually sort of detract? Is it going to you know take away that consistency? But I think there, there was a lot to like about a lot, a lot a lot to like about the victory at Dundee. I think you know it's it's a place that Hibs have gone recently and haven't had the best of uh, the best of luck or the best of results either. Um, you know, quite a few draws, few defeats in there as well. I think when you look at how well Tony Doherty's had Dundee playing at home uh, so far this season as well, I don't think don't think many teams um, you know will get results at ends part of the season. I think it's it's going to get a bit of a reputation as a tough place to go. Um, but I think the fact that you know Hibs not only managed to hold on to a lead but also survive you know the sending off of Lewis Miller and a bit of an onslaught as well. Um, I think all of that not only really good for morale uh, ahead of as you say like quite a difficult festive period coming up but i think just you know it shows that the team is progressing under under nick Montgomery, that you know these things do take time but you are seeing the fruits of uh, the fruits of all that hard work on the training ground. obviously the international break they were just a couple of days off for players who weren't away with uh, national teams and then it was back to it on the training ground and i think i think we probably saw um probably saw dense park at the weekend that you know these things are working. It's not just not just holding on to leads. It's surviving the red card. It's um you know players like Jaya Tavares really sort of coming onto a game. Josh Campbell continuing to play well. You know a lot to lot a lot to like about it. Um And you know certainly a positive result ahead of what could be you know a, a difficult test on Sunday against an Aberdeen side who I think will probably be looking to turn around their own league form a little bit. Um, You know given that they've been. Know, a little bit unfortunate on the domestic front so far this season.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think looking at it beforehand, I kind of pegged it as one that was really potentially tricky, obviously for a number of reasons. You've touched on how Dundee have been a bit of a surprise package this season. They've been going really well. They look, You know, they, you can just tell they're a well-organised side. They've got a bit of quality in there as well. I think before Hibs went up to Dens the you know the the road over the top of St Mirren, um, which you know not a lot of teams have done um, up until now. Um, so and it, it was as well you know coming off the back of the the international break, you know kind of guys have, have been away to you know kind of far flung corners of the world, um, possibly some you know kind of exotic locations to then going up the road to Dens Park in the middle of November, <laughs> absolutely yeah, freezing. It's not, it's not an exotic location, babe. Well, I no, well, suppose, I suppose it depends on your personal taste, doesn't it? Um, but it was one of those kind of, you know, really difficult, tricky games coming off a break. Um, it, it just, it, it looked as though it was kind of, you know, kind of potential for a slip up. Um, but I thought it was, Hibs dealt with it really well uh, in general and, um, Started well, obviously, the, the goal sort of speaks for itself. Um, it's brilliant from uh, Jarrett Tavares basically starting and finishing the, the move. I uh, thought they'd done the other spell kind of, sort of midway through the first half, I felt. But uh, apart from that, I felt Hibs had a good control um, throughout. Um, some really kind of impressive, I think it was, there were some more impressive individual performances rather than it being a, a complete collective team performance. It was one of those days where you just need to go and get a result. Um, I think they did enough um, to do that. I think, even, I think what was maybe especially heartening is obviously Lewis Miller does get sent off. Hibbs do have a two goal cushion, but I, it wasn't until, you know, kind of Dundee really sort of pulled out the, the kitchen sink in the last, you know, in the, the real closing stages that it began to feel a wee bit uncomfortable. I felt Hibbs managed it quite well <clears throat> in general um, until that point where it would have been easy to. Kind of maybe let some of the you know the kind of previous anxieties creep in. Um, I thought it was largely controlled, yeah, um, and just showed that I kind of it just showed a bit of guts, I think, as well to, to get that over the line. Because I mean, it's the thing with you know this team has been that everybody knows that they can play. Um, everybody knows there's there's good individuals in there, but it was there was that kind of question mark hanging over them at times because that leads had been thrown away. There was away the way that the semi final. Um, at Hamden was lost in the manner of that. Uh, so I, I think it was uh, as much as, you know, Kilmarnock uh, young know, it at a 1-0 win at home would have been good psychologically. I think that would actually, that would, there last weekend does even more um, just because of the, the circumstances and knowing that you can get it done um, in difficult circumstances, as I say. Um, Maybe just coming back, you know. I think you know the, the man everybody's been talking about has been uh, Jared Tavares, who seems to he just seems to be going from strength to strength at the moment, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's quite funny. I was going through some old uh, some of my old tweets from from last year when he was getting kind of bit part appearances, maybe coming on as a sub for the last ten minutes. He actually played. I think it was a mid season friendly, so it was during the World Cup break. Um, I think he came on against Middlesbrough at Easter Road and. I think that was the first time that I sort of saw from him, like, you know, I thought, actually, you know, there is there is a player in here. This isn't just a case of, like, I think a lot of fans suspected that, you know, Hibs went to go and watch Benfica's uh, academy teams playing and basically picked the wrong player when you look at how well Duke's doing at Aberdeen. Um, you know, obviously there, there was a reason for, like, earmarking this player as being somebody who could come and contribute. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's so interesting when you look at this Hibs team and you look at what, The coaching staff have got out of the team not just collectively but I think from individuals as well um I mean there was a fantastic bit in that inside inside training podcast with uh, Sergio Raimundo where he talked about um you know players thinking that they're given 100% but actually that's only 60% and that everyone's got a bit more to give and I think that you're kind of seeing that in the in the team um not just from individuals but collectively and you know we're starting to see it a bit more i think we saw it at, at dundee um we certainly saw it against Kilmarnock that you know players are players are buying in. i mean the players are saying this that they're buying into to montgomery and his coaching staff's methods and i think we're starting to see that in you know starting to see evidence of that um but i think yeah the, the transformation in, in jair has been you know something to behold and i think it just further backs up that feeling that you know you can you can't treat every player the same way. There are some players who need an arm around the shoulder and, you know, a quiet word in the ear. There are some that respond best to getting the hairdryer treatment in front of their teammates. You know, everyone's different. And, you know, it it comes down to to the individual. One of the things that's really stuck with me has been Montgomery's kind of approach of... I mean, we, we knew when he came in, when he came in, the first thing he said was he was all about player first. Sorry, person first, player second. And... You know, I think that's enabled them to you know get the most out of Jair. I think it's enabled them to get more out of Rocky Bashiri as well um it's enabled them to get you know good performances out of the youngsters they've been you know trusting academy players 16 17 year olds to come on in big games you've got Rory whisker playing against Celtic and Rangers in the space of a week you've got Josh Landers coming on in you know a national Cup semi-final at Hamden it's, you know, it's all about how you interact with the players, how you how you sort of get the best out of them and what, what works for them. And it's taken, taken time to learn what works best for every player. And it isn't going to be the same. It's not going to be the same for everyone. You know, there are some players who, I mean, I think Lewis and others are a good example. You know, here's, you know, a big brash Australian who's come over from his homeland for the first time. I mean, said this before, we spoke to him in Portugal not long after he joined up. And I mean, it was just the confidence that he exuded in that interview, which was just, you know, yeah, it was essentially I'm going to come to Scotland. I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to show what I'm all about. You know, a bit of a kind of stereotypical brash Aussie kind of approach. And obviously his first season didn't really go to plan. But, you know, you look at this season, he's turned into you know probably one of the first names in the team sheet for Hibs and not just because there's not a great deal of uh, of, of alternative options in the right-back area, but just, you know, he's improving all the time as well. Montgomery's getting, you know, the best out of him. He's contributing with goals. Um, You know, he's he's had a couple of assists. He's got his international debut as well. And I think it, it bodes really well for the future. Um, It certainly bodes well for the likes of, I think, Harry McCurdy, who's still to come back. Um, you know, maybe Jake Doyle Hayes as well. That you've got a coaching staff who you know care about the player as a human as well as as a player, and it's just being able to, been able to coax that bit more out of them, and just knowing what makes them tick, what works for certain players. And I think you know you, you mentioned Jair and I think we've we've seen that um, more so with him than than with anybody else. And I think it's you listen to what he was saying in his interview, talking about never giving up, and you know thinking I've, I've come. You know from my homeland I've, I've left my family my friends i've left however many years it was uh, at benfica i think it was into the double figures um you know he's, he's sort of put his faith in you know the previous management to come over and sort of show what he can do and he's not had that chance and he's you know he's not given up he's kept on plugging away even though as he says it was mentally devastating so i think you know you look at his turnaround and it's even more impressive given you know, what he's been, he's been speaking candidly about it in the media in the past couple of weeks, you know, just saying how much it's affected him. Um, when, you know, there were people last season who just thought, oh, he's got an attitude problem or he's not good enough. So, you know, it goes to show that we don't really know always what's going on behind closed doors or what's, you know, what's going on at the training centre. Um, but I think, I think Xenu deserves credit for for the ways he's, he's turned things around, for how he's kind of bounced back. And I think the coaching staff probably deserve, you um, you know, just as much credit for managing to bring that out of him, and for you know not expecting the world from him straight away, but from kind of coaxing it out of him, giving him time to come into the team, giving him time to sort of almost make mistakes and get up to speed um, with how they play. Because then, what you're getting from him is you're getting the goal against Ross County before the international break. You're getting you know not just the goal against Dundee, but starting the move, and you know just an all-round, like, a really impressive performance from him uh, in Dundee, and I think. I think there's probably more to come from him, and I think you know he, he will start showing just just why um, we're so keen to to sign him on such a long term deal.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with um, the not expecting the world from straight away because it's it's it has been you know there has been a real turnaround. Obviously, you know, going from being pretty much as far out of the picture as it's possible to be without leaving the club to now starting. I think maybe six, five, six games in a row. Um, it sells some talent, but you can see that there's, you know, there is still he's still got a way to go. Um, you know, it's there's some been some really good performances there, he's done some really good things, but then yeah. you can see that he's within that. You know, it's not been, you know, I don't want to overblow it and say that it's been entirely flawless. You can see that there are still some things that he's he's looking to. To improve on, he could. I think even Montgomery said that himself after the Dundee game. You know, there was a few times where he gets into the final third, and I think the phrase he used is that he gets a bit too excited, and maybe yeah. that you know the it's the kind of adrenaline rush, rush of blood to the head, picking, the, making the right decision at the right time. Yeah, so I'm he's being, sorry, I'm the same <laughs> five minutes, I <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: I know, I know. <laughs> it <laughs> plagues us at all levels. It really does. Uh, go go to pieces in front of goal. Um, <laughs> He's being allowed to, you know, kind of to develop as he's as he's going along, which I think is important. I don't think he's, you know, there'll be you know, the things that he can still improve on. Obviously, it'll be be getting looked at, but you know, if, if he gives, I don't think he's the type. He's he's going to get hammered for, you know, occasionally he will give the ball away. Occasionally, what he tries won't come off, and I think you, you can just see, you can see that he is just adding bits and pieces to his game. Um, as well, he kind of likes that that move that he made for the first goal. He clearly, you know, he's obviously been probably been instructed to it, but he likes to make that. But there's been a few times this season where I think, especially Comarn, against Kilmarnock, I think it kind of happened maybe two or three times where the, the ball gets played on his feet where he's got his back to go and somebody would not necessarily foul on him, but they would just kind of throw him out of the way almost, come through the back, take the ball. Yeah, just brush him because he is he is kinda he's not a big powerhouse type player. He's quite slight, but you know, his frame and that kind of wiriness about him yeah. the agility, you know, that that can be an advantage as well. You probably don't want to I don't know if you want to mess with that too much, but there's obviously the, the, there's the things that he's adding. It was just the way he kind of used his body um for that goal. Um, to kind of keep, it was uh, Dundee's uh, boating um, who'd come through the back, just to kind of, you don't need to be massively strong, but if you can, you know, just use your body in the right way, allow them to turn. It's just adding weak kind of things like that um, that obviously show that he's adjusting to what the Scottish Premiership demands of you, because I think there's probably, you know, there's there's been guys who have played a lot more senior football than Jair who have come to to this league and found it hard going physically. So I think he deserves that. I, Time to acclimatise to it because it's not just something you you can um, you know you can get used to overnight. It does it does need a kind of extended um, uh, sort of bit of time to to kind of really fully adapt. But I think the signs so far are you know are very are very positive in that regard. You know obviously he's, you know he's cropping up with big contributions now. He's he's a threat. Um, you know, he works hard as well. I don't think, you know, that should be overlooked either. Um, just in terms of adapting as well, I think, I don't think we can talk about that without talking about Rocky Bashiri at the moment. Um, he's another one who's, he's kind of, he kind of growing into his role in, in the team. Obviously, he's still, you know, he's still playing centre-back, but it's a kind of slightly different thing that he's been asked to do playing on the left of that. Um, Central defensive pair, and he's obviously been asked to do a lot more on the ball, but he's, he kind of went under the radar, a lot of people have been saying in recent weeks. But I think, you know, for maybe a, a centre back, you know, you don't necessarily want your centre back to be the main talking point from games, really, do you? Because then it kind of, when centre backs start becoming the centre of attention, a lot of the time it tends to be because they've made mistakes. You kind of want your centre backs to be as low key as possible. Um, but I mean, it's all the only right to give him um, credit because I think everybody can see, you know, just his improvement, mainly in. How comfortable he seems to be um, when Hams are in possession. Obviously, we did the piece earlier in the week. Um, looking at how he's he's kind of evolved in that sense, and the kind of obviously the standouts um, numbers were that he, he he completed more forward passes against Dundee than he even attempted twice as many actually um, in Montgomery's first home game against St Johnson. So again, it's it's a player who's who's grown into what the manager is asking him to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it is and we're seeing that with with a lot of players and and even the players who aren't maybe adjusting as quickly. Josh Campbell would be a good example. They're, you know, they're being given time to learn, they're sort of taking a lot on board, they're asking questions, they're working hard. The environment seems to be there for, you know, players to improve. Um and I think I think we're rocky it's, it's an interesting one because not only is he being, you know, trusted to start Virtually every game, but he's also playing on the left-hand side, which is maybe a bit unusual for him because you know we know how kind of right-sided he is. But you know it, it goes back to that what we've been saying before about trust. Whether it's trusting you know 16 and 17 year olds to come into the team and making an, uh make an impact or have an impact, make an impression. Whether it's about you know trusting you know Jair to go on and show what he's capable of doing when he's had such a rough time of it. I think. You know, you look at that, sort of the faith they have got in, in Rocky, which, again, I think he maybe maybe struggled at times, certainly when he first came in under Sean Maloney and there was, you know, questions about his his sort of fitness. And I think it, it turned out, I think he said in the summer, that, you know, he'd been playing with a bit of an injury. He obviously hadn't played a lot of football before he came to Hibs and was playing, you know, quite regularly. Um, you know, it's it does feel like you're now starting, or we're now starting to see, like, the best of him and I think I think you pointed this out in your piece like he hasn't played a lot of senior football for a player of his age Like I mean he is still young you know he's still I think 22 23 um, you know but he's not he's not had a lot of senior football he's not had a lot of minutes and I mean Lee Johnson did actually allude to this and say you know he's um, in terms of his development he's not where he should be for his age and I think a lot of people took that on um, took that the wrong way and sort of thought, you know, is he saying that he's like mentally immature or something like that? But I think what he meant was that, you know, for other players of that age, they would be at a certain stage in their development. But because Rocky had obviously missed so much football through through injury, he he hadn't quite um he hadn't quite managed to to get to that stage. And I think that's fair enough. And I think I think that he certainly benefited last season from from playing a lot more regularly. Um than he had been previously. But certainly this season, I think, yeah, you've really seen, really seen a kind of an improvement in the way he uses the ball. Positionally, I think he's better. His passing is better. Going back to the Hearts game at Tynecastle, I, you know, was looking at the stats from that game and the number of passes that he was attempting or completing to, you know, your your attackers like Martin Boyle or, or Dylan Venta or Ellie Yuan. And that's something we've not really seen much of um, from Rocky so far. We hadn't up until that point. It was more just... You know, he was like your classic no-nonsense centre half. Get the ball, launch it into the sea if you're away at Arbroath, or you know, <laughs> hoof it up the park if you're Easter Road. But I think, you know, I think you look at the improvement and you think this is this is a player who still has a way to go, but has already shown you know that he takes he takes things on board. He's willing to learn. He has improved. I think there's still quite a few Ibs fans who remain unconvinced by him. But I think, I think if you think back to when he first came in and you know, the way he played, the way he looked, he looked like a player who hadn't played a lot of football. Yeah. He looked like a player who'd be now injured for, you know, a period of time. But now, you know, he's starting to play, you know, he's playing regularly. He's, you know, I think formed a really good partnership with Will Fish. I think he's linking up well with Jordan Abita on that left side. And I mean, I think, you know, a lot of fans questioning at Dundee why he wasn't sort of moved to the right back slot because that he'd be more kind of natural for that than, than Will Fish, which... I, I do kind of get the logic there. But at the same time, you know, Rocky was on a booking and would have been up against Owen Beck, you know, very kind of tricky player, mm-hmm. um, you know, and would have been potentially another, you know, risk of another um, another sort of second yellow and a red. And, you know, you really don't want to be without, you know, two of your back four for a game against Aberdeen or indeed any team. But I think the the fact that we, have, you know, Rocky is getting so, like so much more comfortable in that left-sided centre-half role. like It wouldn't have made any sense to have dragged him over to the right and, you know, sort of risked not only the result, but, you know, his sort of disciplinary record. And, you know, when you look at how wide the centre-halves are playing when the full-backs are pushing up, Will is essentially playing right back anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it was, it's just little things like that that we're seeing from Montgomery and the coaching staff that, you know, may, may not sort of make sense at the time you, know, you might think, well, why, why has he not moved Rocky over there? Why, you know, if Paul Hanlon's come on? But, you know, I think you, the coaching staff obviously recognise that, you know, Bashiri is, you know, doing well. He's made progress. The stats back that up. So, you know, why would you undo that? Why would you sort of, you know, risk, sort of, you know, he's, he's taken however many steps forward. You, you don't want him to go back the ways. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the kind of player that, you know, I mean, you see the way he celebrates when he makes a last-ditch tackle yeah. or. Clear something off the line, you know. They celebrate some like goals, and that rubs some people up the wrong way. Personally, I think it's great. You know, I, I love seeing that sort of thing. I love seeing you know center half just like barreling in at center forward legally, and yeah. you know the ball clearing it, and then just you know giving it the double fist pump or, or whatever. And I think you know he's I think he's a confidence player, and I think he's I think he's gaining a lot of confidence uh, in the current system. He's been allowed to to play to develop his game. Yeah, you know, same with Tavares. There's still things to improve on. Um, you know, of course there is. But, you know, I think he's he's gone from being a player who you know, I think a lot of people thought, you know, him should try and move on if they had the chance under you know, maybe under Lee Johnson. And I think Johnson even said that that when he first came in, he was a player who he might have been happy to see leave, but then he you know, he became, you know, an important player. And, you know, that was when he that was when he stuck the, the ten million pound price tag on his head. But I mean, you know, you, you can kind of see what he was getting at. I mean, I think I think it's, you know, nobody would argue with the fact that Rocky's improved this season uh, on last season. But, you know, it's just that you can see in the way he plays in his all-round game, like he is improving. And, you know, I think on the face of it, you look at it and think, Hibbs have a back four or a first choice back four at the moment that has, you know, a, 20, a 20-year-old a twenty and Will Fish, you've got a 23-year-old in Bouchiri, and, you know, you've got a, I had a twenty-three year old and Lewis Miller as well. But like that's there's not a lot of experience there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Certainly not a lot of you know Scottish f- football experience in there either. And I think sometimes that's being overlooked. The you know, obviously if you have Lewis Stevenson at left back, if you've got Paul Hanlon in there, Chris Cadden at right back, that's you know, there's a lot of experience there, a lot of um, you know, knowledge of the Scottish game. But, you know, the way things are going at the moment, I don't I don't see why you would change it. And I think, you know, Rocky's improvement has been a big part of that. I think Will Fitch, after a sticky start to his second loan spell, is now starting to really look, um, you know, like the player that he was, I think, the second half of last season when you thought, you know, why, why was this guy not given a chance in the first half of the season? Um, you know, just because he was that, just looked that sort of assured. And, you know, you think this is a player who's, again, not played a lot of first-team football, still relatively young, but, you know, looks like he's playing, played there for years. Just looks really sort of comfortable, really natural, and I think that, you know, it's it's no secret that especially the central defence at at Hibs has been, you know, in dire need of work for quite some time. Um, We've covered this before, I think we were talking about Stevenson and Hanlon, that Mm -hmm. perhaps their longevity and their, you know, kind of ability, and their sort of 7 out of 10 most weeks has has probably been to the detriment of Hibs Mm -hmm. overall, and that they've now got to the stage where, you know, they are having to kind of blood in new centre backs. But you know what? Montgomery has a reputation for giving a chance to young players and getting the best out of them. And you know that's what we're seeing. He's he's doing exactly that with um with three quarters of his defense at the moment and you know other positions in the team as well.
0: Yep, I uh, absolutely I think kind of continuity in a, a back four. There's a lot to be said for that as well. And I think agreed probably no, probably no coincidence that we are You've seen a kind of improvement in the cohesion and the solidity of it. The more that these guys have played together consistently. Um, obviously, well, one of those will be missing this weekend. Uh, Lewis Miller, obviously, he'd been yep. uh, two bookings, uh, second somewhat harsh, I thought. But you know, either way, um, he's not going to be involved against Aberdeen on Sunday. So it kind of then it comes to you know, do you obviously well? Fish went out to to right-back um, against Dundee, do you then stick with that um, against Aberdeen or do you think Rory Whitaker will come into that right-hand side of the defence? I think I know what you're going to say here, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I I think I think I would be very surprised if, if Rory Whitaker doesn't start.
0: Um, you don't want again. to make changes, more changes than you have to really, Dave. To...
1: Exactly, yeah. And I think I mean, the having the centre of defence been as settled as it has been and, you know, it's a really good partnership, you know, nothing nothing against Paul Hanlon whatsoever, Um but I would be sticking with, you know, Rocky Bashiri at left centre half, Will Fish at right centre half, Jordan to left back. And yeah, I, I would bring Rory in at right back. He's already done it. He's done it against St Mirren. Um, I don't get the logic that you would do it against St Mirren but not do it against Dundee, uh, against Aberdeen, sorry, because, you know when Hibbs went to St Mirren, St Mirren were you know flying high in the table. Aberdeen currently are not flying high in the table, mm-hmm. and you know I think if you're going to give if you're going to give youngsters a chance, if you're going to give Rory Whittaker a chance against St Mirren, you know you're going to if you're playing 16 year olds in games like this, it's because you trust them. You're not going to trust them against one team but not another. And I think you know he's been brought on against Celtic and Rangers. There obviously isn't any fear in the coaching staff about him being like overall by the occasion. Um, he's obviously played in that back four uh, already, um, on more than one occasion, which I think is useful. And you know, he's he's maybe been sort of not, not rested, but he's not been involved as much recently as he as he as he was maybe before the international break. He was he was away with away with Scotland under nineteens during the during the break. So, you know, obviously maybe one eye on his, you know, not sort of tiring him out. But yeah, I, I think Hibs have nothing to fear from from starting Nora Whitaker at right back against against Aberdeen. And I think I mean, yeah, Monte has on occasion surprised us uh, with a selection um, option or two, but I just think you've got a natural right back on the bench and you've trusted him before in big games, why not do it again? And then that way you're not sort of, you know, I mean, okay, you know, Will Fish went to right back against Dundee, but you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to put in the same sort of performance, it's not, not his natural position. Um, I mean, you consider how much of how much of Hib's style of play at the moment is sort of reliant on the center backs taking the ball and building. You know, the team is used to playing a certain way, and the center backs are a big part of that. And I, I don't, I wouldn't, per- I, I wouldn't personally be changing it for you know the sake of it. I think when you've got a natural right back, even if he's 16. You play him you keep your natural center halves in central defense and if you need to change it around later you know you've got you've got the option to do that um mm. you know whether it's sort of like 60 70 minutes in but i mean you know go back to what we were saying before montgomery does have uh form for you know pitching youngsters in and trusting them and not just sort of giving them a token five or ten minutes here or there actually relying on them to you know contribute be part of the team I mean, I looked at the number of the number of teenagers that he sort of gave debuts to when he was at Central Coast Mariners, and it's, you know, it's a lot. It's, um, you know, more than you would expect. Can't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, and not just sort of 19-year-olds, you know, 16, 17-year-olds as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, Montgomery will speak to the media on, on, uh, on Friday. I would very much doubt he'll give anything away in terms of team selection, but, you know, I... Maybe he will. Maybe he'll, um, you know, break with tradition a little bit and and tell us, you know, why Rory deserves to start. It's for me, it's the obvious one. Uh, in you know, with with Lewis Miller being being suspended, and yeah, like feel free, like get in touch with me on Twitter if I get this wrong. But um, yeah, you know, I, I just I think I think Rory, I think Rory will get the nod. I just think, I think everything points to it. Um, so yeah, I think. I think that's the obvious thing to do. I know Nick Montgomery yeah. always do the obvious thing, but I think I think this time he will do.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I don't think it's a particularly uh, outlandish prediction um, on this occasion. I think, and as you say, it would kind of fly in the face of what is what has come before in terms of you know being prepared to trust players, um, you know, no matter what age they are or you know the kind of level of experience. So I think you know, and it does make the most sense. You don't want to disrupt um, the back four any more than you have to. Um, especially against a team who, obviously, you know, it's been a very up and down season for Aberdeen, but they can, you know, it's obvious that they can be a dangerous proposition. Um, we'll obviously look at them in a bit more detail uh, on the website later this week. But in just in terms of, you know, it, they are one of those teams where it's it's really become really difficult to know what you're going to get from them in terms of level of performance. I don't think they they offer too many. Surprises, or they will offer too many surprises in the way they try to play. Um, but it's, it's one of those when you don't kind of know what Aberdeen is going to turn up. Um, I think it's obviously been, uh, quite you know stark that at times this season that they've not particularly adapted too well to playing European football on the Thursday, and then being back into domestic games on the Sunday. Um, a couple of bad results off the back of that. I think it was when they lost to Comarnok. Um, away, which I, I remember watching a bit of that because that was before they played tabs. It was a pretty kind of abject uh, performance, and then they went to Celtic Park and got battered six um after the last European game. Um, but then they are capable of turning a performance like they did last weekend against Rangers, kind of seconds away from you know, getting a really big victory there. Um, yeah. so just in terms of knowing what Aberdeen are going to turn up, is is, is kind of, it's pretty hard to predict. Maybe. They're away in Helsinki um, for their um, penultimate European game, um, but it's you know it's for, I think they're already out. So I mean they might take the chance to you kind know, of rotate as a bit of a dead rubber for them. Um, so it might the you kind know, of European hangover effect might not be as great by the time they come to Easter Roads. Uh, who knows is what I'm basically saying about Aberdeen. It's, they're predictably unpredictable. You, don't, you really don't know what you're going to get from them. Um, you were going to say that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um But just in terms, you know, from a Hib's perspective, obviously, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of loath to go back to the the semi final and spend too much time talking about that Um because obviously, the, yeah, I mean, it was a kind of painful day uh, in terms of the mm-hmm. result for Hib's fans. But I mean, I, I think. In terms of you know, the actual performance on the day, um, just in kind of preparation for the weekend, been having a look, you know, kind of back at, at what Hibs tried to do on that day. And I think it was actually, you know, for me, it was actually one of the most productive days um, this season in terms of creating chances. You know, they created a lot of good opens, did, did a lot of really good things. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away because <laughs> we'll, we'll write about it in greater detail later in the week, but I think there's, as painful as that game was, there, there's still kind of positives, I think, that can be taken from it and built into this game because, you know, can I make no mistake about it, they, they, maybe the league positions don't quite reflect it at the moment, but these are, yeah. you know, two teams who are going to have, come, you know, April, May, are going to have designs on being in and around that third spot. So it, 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 it's a really big game, isn't
1: it? It is, yeah. And I think, you know, not just for, not just for Montgomery and I mean, we. I think we spoke previously um, about you know different tests for them in Scottish football. So there was obviously the, you know the Edinburgh derby. Then there's you know playing Rangers at Ibrox. Then there's playing Celtic. Then there's you know a national cup semi final. I think this is a big test because you know they've obviously had the good results against Kilmarnock and Dundee. Two games I would say where they they've won ugly, and that's something that they hadn't really been able to do beforehand like you know even when even when they were sort of they beat St Johnston um, in in Montgomery's first home game in charge when they beat St Mirren in the quarterfinals of the via play you know it wasn't a sort of skin of the teeth grind out a result backs to the wall part the bus whatever you know there were you know good performances in there maybe not quite as complete as as what we've seen in recent weeks but it wasn't you know it wasn't sort of you weren't sort of looking at it thinking, you know, yeah, Hibs have, Hibs have really dug deep there to get that result. Mm-hmm. I think they've done that against Dundee and Kilmarnock, you know, two teams who, you know, have been sort of difficult in the past that they've drawn against in the past. Um, you know, under under Montgomery, obviously, his first, game, his first game in charge of the club, away to Kilmarnock, and they were 2-0 up, and Kelly pegged them back, got a 2-2 draw out of it. And then the Dundee game at Easter Road, where... You know, hips hips kind of murdered them nil nil. If you like, it was well, I think save for safe for Owen Beck. So I had a chance at the end that Marshall did really well to save. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of one way traffic for much of the much of the game. And when you look at the result against Kilmarnock at Easter Road, and you look at the result against Dundee, it ends, you know you can see the progress that's been made. Not just in terms of how like Montgomery's managing games, but in how the players are are seeing games out, how they're responding to you know the coaching, and you know just. I mean, they've talked about it, but adapting for different situations, game management, you know, just being being a bit more savvy and thinking, you know, what do we need to do to hold on here? I think, you know, with Aberdeen, I mean, you don't want to sort of say is it a chance for revenge because, I mean, I'm sure if we asked Nick Montgomery on Friday, is this a chance for revenge, he'd say you can't get revenge for losing a semi-final and not getting to a final.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good.
1: You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's right um it's just one of these things that us football journalists like to say you know to try and get to speak um you know is this a chance for revenge and he said no this is a chance for a headline so, um, <laughs> it's, obviously, it's, it's obviously not about that um you know it's about being able to build on what we've seen previously which is you know sort of eking out hard fought wins uh, against two tricky teams one at home one away um you know, and I think regardless of what Aberdeen do in Europe on Thursday night, regardless of who they play, regardless of how they play, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. I sound like such a football manager here. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's true. And I think that, you know, it's, it's more about Hibs just continuing to play the way that they have been playing and, you know, building on the good bits from the victories against Comarnik and Dundee and, you know, not not sort of letting themselves be drawn into, you know, another situation where, you know, they play really well but ultimately end up empty-handed and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i think there'll be i think lessons will have been learned by the management team and the players from from the game at Hamden. there's obviously uh think a couple of players available this time who weren't available for that game but you know just in terms of you know individually and collectively i think hibbs have you know they've progressed from from Hamden, and i think it will be interesting to see how they cope with Aberdeen i mean you know, you're right when you say that Aberdeen, I mean, they've almost taken over Hibbs Mantle as the sort of most consistently inconsistent team in the premiership that, you know, you just, you don't actually know what you're gonna get. If the good version turns up, then, you know, it could be a really good, a really good result, or, you know, in last weekend's case, like very close to being a, a very good result. And if it's the bad one that turns up, it could be, you know, an utterly honking display. And you're sort of thinking, you know, hold on a minute. Like, what's happened? You know, that was last week. So yeah. I think it really does depend. It depends on how, I think, Aberdeen approach this game. But I think Hibbs can take confidence going into it from the way they played against Kobarnik and the way they played against Dundee and the way they played against Dundee with 10 men as well. I think, you know, that's important. Um. ultimately it gives them a chance to show that you know those two victories weren't not one-offs obviously but you know the victories weren't sort of you know luck or it wasn't by chance and you know it wasn't because the other team wasn't at the races because certainly in the Kilmarnock game you know the Dundee game there was you know a lot of kitchen sinks being thrown around in the last 15 to 20 minutes um you know I, I don't think you know players talk about you know not fearing Anyone and Hibs players, especially, talk about being able to be, you know, being good enough to beat any team on their day. And I think you know that's what it comes down to. If if Hibs turn up and you know they play the way that they did for you know the bulk of the games against Comarnik and Dundee, learn from the mistakes they made against Aberdeen, and Hamden, then you know they they should be confident of of getting a, a positive result. And you know I think it would again tell us you know a bit more about. You know what we're getting from this Montgomery team, and what he's getting Mm -hmm. out of the players, and how the players are kind of maturing and growing, and and just sort of continuing to adapt to you know the way he wants them to play.
0: Yeah, I I think the kind of focus um, needs to be at the moment is just building towards that kind of complete performance. I think we've seen bits and that and and varying, varying levels for varying amounts of time in games. But I think the you know, kind of the one thing you really want to see from Hibbs now is just building towards that one complete performance that you know obviously they'll they'll be hoping brings the the, the result along with it. Um I just that before we um wrap it up here uh, today obviously we heard and you'll be able to read this in full on the website we heard from Mick Montgomery about uh, Jake Doyle Hayes who's obviously had a um, no understatement to say he's said just a completely miserable time with it of late, um, injuries upon injuries, recurring injuries, just not being able to catch a break, really. Um, but it looks as though there might now be some light at the end of the tunnel for him.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, almost I think when I, I wrote the article, I sort of referred to him as Hibbs forgotten man because I think, you know, with Chris Caden and Harry McCurdy for varying reasons, you know, they were sort of very prominent in you know the sort of public eye. Caden obviously playing a lot last season. McCurdy maybe you know occasionally making the headlines for you know not always the right reasons but you know obviously you know a, such a sort of like character as himself um, you know is, is going to attract attention and there is going to be you know a lot of I think a lot of hype around him when he first came,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but yeah I think with with Doyle Hayes it's been it's been a, a really rough sort of sort of sixteen to eighteen months for him just kind of stop start. Um, you know last season they obviously had that injury i think it was at the end of september start of october that you know basically was caused by lee johnson during a training game and you know he kept on training for a week and then you know he's sort of feeling discomfort so they get it checked out and it basically there's an existing injury that you know needs dealt with i think it was a, a bit of bone floating in his ankle which you know sounds absolutely horrendous
0: yeah
1: um something which montgomery said he'd had in his career which i think is useful in that he knows what Doyle Hayes is going through and he can, you know, maybe offer him advice on, on how to deal with it and just sort of you know keep him maybe try and keep him sort of like on a bit more of a positive keel. But
0: yeah,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I think you even last season when he came back towards the end of the campaign and he was I mean there was a really good a really good performance against Celtic at, at Celtic Park. Hibbs did lose three one, um you know had Ellie Yuan sent off early on but you know, it was a really a really kind of feisty display from him. He was sort of snapping at Celtic's heels throughout his time on the pitch and, you know, just seeing a, a bit of a different side to him. Um, you know, I thought oh, actually, you know, yeah, there, there is you know, he's offering something different here and he was speaking as well and saying that there was sort of, he was being encouraged to be more kind of attacking, more forward thinking and he'd been working with the coaching staff sort of after hours to sort of try and improve that side of his game. And then you know, the last game of the season against Hearts of Tynecastle, he, you know, I, th- I think it was a dislocated shoulder he suffered and you just thought, you know, you know, this guy can't catch a break. <laughs> so then for him to come back and be involved in pre-season and, you know, starting the first game of the season against St Mirren, you think, great, he's sort of got it sorted. Um, Yeah, and then obviously he's not, you know, he's out of the team for a bit, he comes back, there's a couple of sub-appearances and then, you know, there's nothing and transpires, he's you know, he's had a recurrence of the of the same injury, this sort of ankle problem, and he asked him to undergo surgery for a second time, you know, he's on crutches for a while, and you just, it's, you know, mentally, it must be, like, just so, so exhausting. And, you know, I think with, I think Hibs fans obviously, be, you know, a little bit concerned with, you know, another midfielder seemingly suffering from a, a string of injuries, like Kyle McGuinness obviously had, you know, rotten luck with injuries at Hibs, still having rotten luck with injuries. Um, you know, now he's at Kilmarnock. And, you know, you can understand that sort of slight nervousness from from the support that, you know, have we got a midfielder here who's not going to be able to contribute? But, you know, the suggestion from Montgomery is that after the sort of second surgery that Doyle Hayes has undergone, you know, his looking good. He's, um, I, I think, I think he's walking without crutches now, which is obviously a, a step forward. And, you know, the next step obviously is, is getting him back on the grass and building him up to being... Um, you know, to being able to play games, then getting the minutes in bounce games. Uh, you know, to get a match ready because you know, as as we know, um, Montgomery and his coaching staff aren't going to rush anybody back. They're not going to risk anyone who isn't 100. Um, percent And certainly with Doyle Hayes and what he's been through, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to risk him having a, another breakdown. Um, or you know, or God forbid, suffering another recurrence of the the same injury. But you know, it does it does look good, um, and I think. I think on paper, he does look like a really good option for, you know, one of those central midfield roles in, in the way that Montgomery likes to play. Um, you know, whether or not it works, you know, obviously remains to be seen. But, you know, at the moment, Hibs don't have a lot in central midfield. Um, you've obviously got Joe Newell, you've got Dylan Levitt, you've got Jimmy Jago. Beyond that, you're looking at, you know, Alain Ferreira. you're looking at the youngsters, to have Doyle Hayes back and available, you know, it gives you two players for both those central midfield positions and it's it's so demanding in mm-hmm. in Montgomery's setup. Um you know, he, he wants so much from you know those two midfielders just in terms of what they're being asked to do, how they've been asked to, to link with the the centre backs and you know, just basically be the complete package in, in midfield. And I think, you know, from what I've seen of Doyle Hayes uh so far, I think I think he'd be a really good fit for that. Um, you know, I think he I think he would sort of feel himself that he's he's you know, he's more than just a defensive midfielder. He has got, you know, that ability to play as you know as an eight or you know certainly seemed like he was being asked to work on maybe not playing as an out and out ten, but you know, just having you know having a bit more focus on that attacking side of his game. Yeah, I do think that you know you keep him fit and then you've got, you know, four players who can play those positions. And you know, for Montgomery it's not about having You know two first choice players who can play 85 90 minutes each week it's about having you know players who can either play from the start or come on as a sub and make an impact um i mean it seems very much to be the kind of manager who you know it's not this is my start in 11 and then i'll bring on a few subs if boys start to get tired you know this is the team i'm going to start with these are the five boys who can come on and make a difference in midfield in the final third in defense whatever and you know, I, th- I think that's, I mean, you know, I mean, somebody was questioning today and saying, you know, where does Doyle Hayes fit into the team when you've got the likes of Levitt, Jago and Newell? But I think, you know, you need a squad. You need to have players who are not only capable of, you know, starting if needs be, because, you know, we know Montgomery likes to rotate a little bit. But even in the event of injuries, um, you know, you need players who can step in and essentially replicate what the guy they're replacing does
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not be a noticeable kind of drop in quality or in cohesion with like the rest of the team. And I think you know you see that when Dylan Levitt comes in for, for Jimmy Jago. You see it when um you know Jair Tavares is starting instead of Ellie Yuan, you see it when you know Martin Boyle is starting up front instead of you know Christian Deutsch for for whatever or when Josh Campbell comes in. You know, it's it's all about it's all about having players who can come in and do it from the start or come off the bench and you know contribute. And you know I just think it will be you know, we talked before about getting Caden and McCurdy back. Will for Montgomery be like having you know a couple of new signings? And I think with Doyle Hayes, it will be very much the same. You know, I um, yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I just think he'd be a really good option to have in in the current setup. Um, you know, I think he'd be. I think he'd be more than capable of, of filling in for either of the two starters or starting himself. You know, in in the event, like we say, of injury or. <laughs> Up, so yeah, I don't, I don't think we have a, a time frame on when when he could be back available. But you know, you would hope, you would hope from the point of view of having a, a second, a strong second after the season that you know he'd be back early in the new year. And um, you know, obviously the January transfer window, something we'll discuss in a later video. But you know, I just think you know having having players back who haven't featured so far will be you know such a boost to, you know, what, I mean, we've said before, it's such a, it's such a light squad at the moment, like, you know, you are relying on teenagers to, to fill it and, you know, they're there on merit, they're not there just to make up numbers, but, you know, just having, I think for Montgomery, having, having more of a, a decision to make in certain positions will, you know, be good for him, but also good for the players in terms of keeping them on their toes and really kind of, you know, encouraging them to sort of put in a little bit extra mm-hmm. in training or, or whatever, just to, you know, really to make them think about, you know what, what starting eleven he picks and and what subs he picks.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely, man. As for today, that's all from myself and Patrick. Um, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you.